Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, global news reporter Clay Young hits the streets of Winnipeg to talk with people about all the violent crime of late. Karen Hildebrand from farmfems.com on artificial intelligence day camps where her sister are holding this summer for kids and Global News Online journalist Laura Hensley on Allergies, It's Food Allergy Awareness Month. Please rate the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, and now, the podcast. Clay Young has been out, and uh, he is live in studio here. A lot of violence of late, uh, Clay, and I know you were out there talking to people about that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the police reports and you look at them just like I do. Every day, uh, yeah. Yeah, this past weekend uh, was a particularly violent one. And I won't run down all of the incidents, but here's just uh, some of them. A man was shot in the 300 block of Ellis Avenue early Saturday morning, uh, pretty much right across from Portage Place. A police officer was tased by his own taser. Yeah by a suspected car thief. This was on Isabel Street. That happened Saturday uh, afternoon. Motorist was shot. We talked about this one in a case of road rage on Kingsbury Avenue and McPhillips Street. That was Saturday evening. It was a homicide in an apartment block on Taylor Avenue Sunday morning. And then uh, two Winnipeg firefighters confronted by an axe-wielding man on Aberdeen Avenue near uh, Main Street Sunday night. So, and that's just the past two or three days. That's just the past two or three days. You know, it's only Tuesday, and a lot of uh, these incidents, you yeah. know, uh, 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 a man suspected of being on drugs, possibly meth, grabs right. an officer's taser. Yeah. Another guy suspected of being on meth right. steals an axe and starts going after Winnipeg firefighters. So. Right. You know, it's it's people are talking about it. Right. So we hit the streets and we started asking people, so what do you think of what's going on out there? It's definitely getting worse. I've lived here for 59 years. I haven't seen it so bad. If I could move, I would. I love Winnipeg, but it's just like it's it's gone so downhill. Have you ever been the victim of crime or do you know of anybody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been jumped a couple of times myself out of the blue. The justice system is absolutely terrible. Promise to appear and they go out and they uh, injure and steal and rob and maim. It continues. It's a vicious cycle here in Winnipeg. I think a lot of it has to do with the, the increase in drug use the, and definitely, you know, meth and those horrible drugs. And I think more treatment centers, if the treatment centers are available to them, they have more options and they won't... F- I think that will decrease the crime. I do know of people that have been held up and robbed at you know gas stations, good friends of mine. It's very terrifying for them, and they've gone through a lot of d- depression and other kind of mental illnesses because of that. This has um, happened in Winnipeg? Yes, actually it did, just on Henderson and Johnson. A friend of mine got held up. In the last few years, maybe five, I've perceived to see a greater increase in especially violent crimes. I personally have been involved in a break-in, How'd that make you feel? Very violated. One o'clock on a Sunday morning, somebody was trying to get through my window. They never found the gentleman. Yeah, police were called. Like, how, how, how does this happen? Why does this happen? I come from an era where my parents, we used to leave our doors unlocked. 
All right, so Clay Young on the streets of Winnipeg talking to Winnipeggers about all this uh, violent crime. And the thing that strikes me about this, Clay, and we've said this a few times, this isn't just downtown or just in the north, no. in the north end. It is everywhere now. Yeah. yeah. I asked people, I said, what part of town? St. James, uh, East Kildonan. Right. Um, Charleswood. Yep. Uh, and and so I I managed to talk to uh, do you know I talked to more than about close to ten mm. eleven uh, and seven interviews we decided to you know cut up and yeah. air three of those people have been victims of crime and these are people I just stopped at right. random yeah you were downtown right yeah, yeah. random mm. people three out of Seven of those interviews that we're using mm-hmm. have been the victim of crimes themselves. Break in, yeah. a guy who was jumped and jumped a couple times, yeah. mugged. Hmm. You know, it's, and no one really seems to have a solution except for the overlying theme is we need treatment centers, right? You know, yeah. for these people because a lot of this stuff it, it seems to be meth related, right? right. Yeah. Or drug-induced and, you know, get these people quick access to care. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if the crime rate starts to drop. Yeah. You know. Good stuff, Clay. Thank you very much for doing that. Appreciate that. Clay Young, he, of course, is uh, one of our Global News reporters. Uh, That's what he's doing today. But you can also hear him weekend mornings here on CJOB from 6 to 9. Clay Young every Saturday and every Sunday morning here on CJOB. Millions and millions of people spend their lives literally breaking their backs, moving materials every day. We're trying to make our autos to the point where they can they can move material just as effectively as a person can and free up that person for other more, more valuable or more creative work. That is the co-founder of a company in Kitchener, Ontario called Clear Path Robotics. The company builds machines that can operate on their own once they are programmed. Global National reporter Mike Gerlay is looking at artificial intelligence this week, and so we're doing the same thing with uh, some of our guests. And joining us on the phone now, Karen Hildebrand from farmfems.com. Karen, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you and your sister Teresa are from here. Where did you grow up? Uh, we grew up on a small farm south of Morden, Manitoba. And you're now, uh, I think you're in Toronto, correct? Um, I, I'm in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, ah. and my sister is based in Stockton, Manitoba. Okay, gotcha. And you guys are, uh, well, you're coming back to the province this summer. You're going to do a, a day camp on AI. How did you and, and Teresa get into the line of artificial intelligence? Tell me your story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Teresa and I, like I said, both grew up on a farm, um, but we left the farm uh, and pursued our degrees. Teresa did uh, her degree in teaching and then administrative studies, and then I uh, did my degrees and found out uh, after doing my business degree as an undergrad that I really love technology. So I went on and did my master's degree and my doctorate degree uh, specializing in artificial intelligence. So um Really what we're trying to do is bring back uh, to Manitoba um, our combined skill set of teaching and and years of experience in artificial intelligence and make that um, accessible and approachable, uh, just a one-day commitment for kids to learn how to do some basic artificial intelligence programming. 
And this needs to start young, right? Like these kids need to get into this early, correct? Absolutely. And so our camps are targeted uh, between 8 and 16. And really out of the camps, the kids will learn how to code three different types of artificial intelligence. So they will um, be able to without any coding background at all, be successful within a day in getting started. And really the intent is to help understand there's career paths in these fields that exist now and making sure there's awareness and exposure um, really helps kids to understand if that's something of interest to them. And they'll build on those skills after a day camp if it is something that, you know, really uh, helps pique their interest. Talk a bit about some of those careers. What, what sorts of careers? Well, We're really focused on agricultural careers and what are those kind of ag-adjacent jobs that exist. Um, And so a lot of the camp will be built on applications that are available kind of related to agriculture, but those apply in a lot of different contexts. And we've seen that even with recent announcements of uh, careers that AWS is um, opening up within Winnipeg. All of the coding that we're going to be doing is based on the AWS, Amazon Web Services platform. And so there's extension beyond agriculture, but what we're going to be showcasing are um, things like security cameras and image recognition. And so that's really applicable in a lot of different contexts. We'll do some text-to-speech, so some of those uh, fun things like what your Google Home or Alexa device is doing, uh, we'll be doing that, as well as some translation, so making sure that we have accessibility when we're building artificial intelligence um, and that application into can you get a manual uh, read to you while you're doing your maintenance activities, things like that. And then we'll be doing uh, a ch- uh, what's called a chatbot, where um, kids will have the opportunity to build basically a, a scheduling device that will uh, take somebody that may have called in and asked for an appointment uh, through the steps of scheduling an appointment without ever having to talk to somebody. So thinking about that in the context of a small business where maybe you're repairing machinery or maybe you're the person that has to make the, uh, the vet appointments for your farm, um, those are different contexts that the kids will be, will be working through and have uh, working models by the end of the day. You know, I think this uh, artificial intelligence or AI, I think, scares the hell of a lot, a lot of people. You know, you see the headlines, right? Robots are taking Absolutely. over. And, but you see this differently, don't you? Absolutely. I think it's a it's a great value add, and it's a way that we can be more effective and efficient. And I would rather um, people be aware of what uh, already is happening in terms of AI and be engaged and be a part of that conversation and shaping the future of it than pretending it doesn't exist. I think we all have um, a great role in shaping what the future of AI could be and how it can be used, but we really have to be aware of what it is first. And so being able to to kind of create create that environment where people can approach it um, and understand that they already are engaging with AI, even if they don't know it yet. And I want to give uh, details out on on how uh, parents or grandparents listening right now can get their kids involved in your summer camp. So we're going to do that, I promise, uh, before we're done here. Do me a favor. Look out 20 or, or 30 or 50 years from now. How do you see AI, artificial intelligence, making farm life better? Give me, give me some real examples that you think are, are really possible, very feasible. 
Well, I would say in the less than five years out category, we have the, you know, the precision agriculture. So the reduction of uh, waste in terms of, you know, nutrients that you're putting on the soil, making sure that your spray is very um, targeted in its application, ensuring that systems are only irrigating when the soil really needs it so that you're maximizing um, your natural resources and you're really protecting the land that you're um, that you're on I think those are all capabilities of which AI is uniquely skilled to do because it can scale at the volume and the size of Canadian farms uh, you know 20 years 30 years from now I think the the autonomous uh, tractor you know we ha- we already see KSIH has some uh, um, some tractors out in that space. But when we think about what could the possibility be in having a, a fleet uh, completely automated um, and the safety aspects of that, I really think that will be uh, significant in the future. And, you know, that's also part of the motivation for the camps is, you know, we're fourth generation farmers, we're raising the fifth generation. We want to make sure they're equipped for that digital farming wave uh, that we expect will be, you know, coming in that 20 to 30 year horizon. Hey, Karen, thanks a lot for helping with this. And uh, when you and Teresa are in town together, uh, I'd love to have you in studio for a chat if, if you want to do that. How can people get their kids and grandkids involved in this AI in a day summer camp? Absolutely. So we have uh, sessions coming up this weekend in Morden Winkler. So um, there's still some spots available for the, this weekend. So if you would like to sign up, um, you can go to farmfems.com. Uh, farm is F-A-R-M. Fems is F-E-M-M-E-S.com. And then we have sessions in Wawanisa, Winnipeg, and Brandon throughout the summer as well. So um, for sure, please check out the site and see all of the dates that we do have available. We'd love to see some campers there. And we would absolutely love the opportunity to be in, in studio with you. You were six minutes away from it being over 20 minutes since I took the first epi. You were six minutes away from the first one wearing off you could have had a secondary reaction before you got here. That is Sheila Schultz from the start this morning. McLean, McGarry, and McNabb talking about allergies. It is Food Allergy Awareness Month. And joining us on the phone now to talk more about this, Laura Hensley. She is one of our global national online journalists. Laura, thanks a lot for doing this. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a while ago you were actually uh, did a story online about uh, allergies, and it, kind of interesting. You found well a study that you reported on found that almost half of people who think they have a food allergy actually don't. Explain. Well, that is exactly it. So this really large study looked at over forty thousand Americans and found that. Most people, one in five, thought they had a food allergy, but in reality, only one in 10 actually did. So a lot more people are self-diagnosing food allergies when in reality, they don't actually meet the criteria of a food allergy. Interesting. And now this is an important issue and, you know, a, a food allergy is a big deal, but it is interesting that a lot of people who think they have an allergy actually don't. So what's the what's the best thing to do here then? I guess see your doctor get tested and, and go through the process, eh? 
Definitely. And I think what the study found is that a lot of people think they have food allergies because they might have symptoms that represent a food intolerance. Right. So if you if you eat bread and you get a bit of a bloat, you think, oh, my gosh, I must be gluten. I'm allergic to gluten. I'm going to cut all this gluten out of my diet. And the researchers said this can be harmful. So you should really talk to an allergist, an allergy specialist or your doctor so they can actually figure out, are you really allergic to something? Or are you just kind of having a reaction to a food that your body might not be able to digest? Yeah, I've done that. I, I've had the, the food test. And, yeah, they're able to say you're full-blown allergic to shellfish, for example, or they can say you have a sensitivity, so you should kind of avoid this. There is a difference for sure. Definitely, and I think that's really important because people who have allergies, you know, they might need an EpiPen. They might have a severe reaction. If you're allergic to peanuts, for example, you know, you can go into anaphylactic shock. So food allergies can be life-threatening, whereas food intolerances are usually just uncomfortable, but they don't harm you in necessarily the same way. I mentioned shellfish. I know that's one big one that a lot of people are allergic to. What sort of other foods are are common for, for allergies? Definitely. So in Canada, um, the most popular, <laughs> popular, the most common um, food allergies in the country are peanut, uh, tree nut, seafood, egg, milk, soy, mustard, and wheat. So those are the ones that most people have. Um, and of course, within that is also uh, thin fish, which is another thing that a lot of people have allergies to. Right. And as I said, this discussion started on our morning show this morning, The Start, with Macklin McGarry and McNabb. And they were talking about this today because uh, it is Food Allergy Awareness Month. And uh, we're going to actually get into uh, more on this later on because there are are some myths and stuff that that people should be uh, aware of. Uh, But um, what else uh, should we know about uh, allergies? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. This morning, uh, a listener texted in and said, oh, I'm allergic to the cold or my daughter's allergic to the cold. And they kind of laughed about it. But then they said, well, no, this is, is serious. Now, I don't know if that's an allergy or if that's a condition or a disorder of some kind, but are there any weird allergies that you can maybe tell us about? Well, you know, there are some people who have really unusual and uncommon reactions. I know it's very uncommon, but yes, water is one of these um, sort of unusual allergies. I haven't heard of the cold, but I'm sure some people can have adverse reactions. But when it comes to kind of weird or unusual food allergies, there's some that people have that are very uncommon or less common. So, for example, red meat. Some people are actually allergic to pork and beef and lamb, which would be really unfortunate if you're a meat lover. Yeah. Um, and other people are even allergic to things like dried fruit. So some of these things have, you know, additives or things like sulfates, which can cause a reaction in our body. But when it comes to things like water or the sun or the cold, I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but I would have to say that you probably want to talk to your doctor before you tell everyone you're allergic to that. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to say, I got to avoid peanuts or I, I can't eat shellfish, but you're allergic to water, you know, or, or cold. I mean, boy, in Winnipeg, uh, yeah, cold, that, that's not a good thing to be uh, allergic to. <laughs> Um, yeah. Hey, Karen, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, I, I'm sorry, not uh, uh, Karen. Um, Laura, I apologize, Laura. Thanks a lot. No worries. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Bye. thanks for doing this. Laura Hensley is one of our global national online journalists. Apparently, I'm allergic to her name. Avoiding it at all costs.
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.